heard before, but I don't think it's one of the most recognized passages in the Bible. But um, I don't believe it's probably one of the most applied passages in the Bible because I don't think we truly understand it the way we should. It's in Matthew 22, verses 37 through 40. Okay, Matthew 22, 37 through 40. It says, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul and with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So here's what I want to do. I want to spend the next couple of minutes really talking about what does it mean to love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength? What does it mean to love God with all of your heart? Well, it means to love him with all of your power, to love him beyond anyone and everything else and to be willing, honestly willing to sacrifice what you hold dear in life. Okay, if it be his will. So loving the God, loving God with all of your heart means with all of your power beyond anyone or anything else. And, and then being able to give up what you hold most dear in your life if God calls you to give that up. All right. So that's number one. Number two, with all of your soul. What does that mean? Well, it means to be willing to devote your life to his service, to live for him. With everything in you to live for him, but then also be, if it necessary, if necessary, be willing to give your life in service to him, your soul. Okay, so we're talking about all of your heart and all of your soul living for him. And if necessary, basically giving up your life for him with all of your mind. What does it mean to love God with all of your mind? It means it means to submit your intellect to his will, to his glory, to submit your intellect to his will. It means that we are going to invest, if you will, our minds, focus, you're talking about all of your mind. It means to invest your mind in understanding the word of God. Once you have invested your mind in understanding the word of God, it means to use that knowledge to build the kingdom of God. And once you invested your mind in understanding the knowledge of God, the word of God, then you invest in building the kingdom of God. Once that is accomplished, then you give glory. You give glory to God for the results of your intellectual efforts. So know it. And then apply it to build the kingdom of God and then give God all the glory for your intellectual efforts. And then in Mark chapter 12 in verse 30, it says with all of your strength, with all of your strength. So you got your heart, you got your soul, you got your mind, you got your strength. What does it mean with all of your strength? Well, it means you devote all of your physical effort toward God. It means all that when you go out and you labor and you toil, you do it to the glory of God. So all of your strength, your labor, your toil, you make him the object of, of your of your labor. You make him the object of your toil. You make him the object of all of your physical effort. So if you're using your body in any way, you make him the object of all of your physical effort, your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. Does that sound like to you? Does that sound like something that happens all on a Sunday morning that can happen all on a Sunday morning in the in the hour that we spend together? Think about that. 
And that's why I say it's the most one of the most recognized passages in the Bible, but not one of the most applied passages in the Bible, because I don't think people really stop to think about what we're talking about here. With all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. You want to learn more about that, then I want to encourage you to go to 501 with me this afternoon at 1245. We'll go over there, have pizza and listen to Jen talk about worship and what it means to live for him outside of just a Sunday morning. See, what we need to do, I need to do, what you need to do is we, we need to rethink how we, how we live out our faith. We need to readjust our mindset and how we're living out our faith. Faith, I want, you to, I want you to think about this just for a second, okay? Was Jesus, before he started his three and a half year public ministry, wasting his time? Because this is what we think. This is what culture thinks. We wouldn't say it, but this is how we think. All right, so Jesus, his public ministry, okay, when, you know, Holy Spirit came, all that kind of thing, you know, when he was baptized, and he started his public ministry, So what we're saying is in our culture that before that, Jesus was just wasting his time. Because obviously Jesus was doing secular work. So since he was doing secular work, I'm sure that Jesus Christ, the son of God, fully God and fully man, was sitting around all that time before he started his public ministry, okay, just buying time for when he, when the, when the father would allow him to do Real ministry, like me. Because I'm doing real, and the rest of you, well, you know, secular stuff. So think about this. Jesus was a carpenter. Honestly, is probably a stonemason, okay? More, if you really study that, it's probably more of a stonemason. So Jesus is stonemason. Here's what Jesus was really doing. Jesus, from, the, from birth to death, okay, was living his whole life. He was loving God with all of his heart with all of his soul, with all of his mind, with all of his strength. He was loving the Father with all of those things. Set an example, whether he was being a, a carpenter, stonemason, or in his, quote, 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 public ministry. Jesus Christ was not wasting his time when he was making things, when he was investing his time into making things. What he was doing was not secular. Last week we asked the question, are we lions or are we lambs? We said that Jesus Christ came to earth to start a revolution. We said that God the Father wants us wants to lead us to a place that will challenge the boundaries of our imagination and stretch the limits of our faith. And I so desperately want especially those who've gone to church almost all their lives You have to get this paradigm out of your mind that somehow what I'm doing as the pastor is sacred and what you're doing the other six and, you know, hours or whatever, six days and whatever hours of Sunday you do is somehow secular. Somehow not worthy, if you will. It's it's separated out. We have to get that out of our minds because what that does, it makes people come into church and think, okay, this is my spiritual life, but when I leave here, well, it's different. Then I go to my secular life. See, he wants us to live out our faith every single day. And he wants us to use our gifts, our talents, and our abilities to further the kingdom of God. That is God's call on each of our lives, that we would use everything that we have, our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength. It leaves nothing out. All of it would be to glorify God and to build his kingdom. You know, in the parable of the talents, 
in Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30. Okay, we, we have a man who gives one, basically he's given one talent and he ends up bearing his talent. And the Bible says that he sinned against God and was ultimately cast out of his presence. And I have to tell you, when I was a younger Christian, I wondered why. I was a baby Christian. I thought to my, I read that and I thought to myself, he didn't really do anything. Buried, you know, you really do anything. But as I grew in my faith, I began to realize and it became real clear. Why? Because he didn't do anything. Right. I was confused in the beginning because he didn't do anything. But then I got older, I started to realize, well, the problem was because he didn't do anything. Have you ever been in a situation where you could have intervened in that situation, but you chose not to? You chose not to intervene. See, this morning, I want to look at the power of service and using our gifts, talents, and, our, and abilities to further the kingdom of God and to stretch our faith. The power of serving God, the power of using our gifts, our talents, our abilities, all of those things, our, our treasures, all of those things in order to build the kingdom of God. What does that look like? Remember when you were in school and you were a kid? Remember that other kid who sat at the lunch table all by himself? Sat there for years all by himself in the lunchroom. Got his little tray, went over to the table, sat down. It was like it was like a barren wasteland around the poor kid. Now he did that for years. Remember the kid who got picked on all the time in school? Did you do anything to help him? Think about it. Did you? Because we're supposed to what? Take care of the defenseless, right? To defend the defenseless. And so we got to look back and say, was, did I defend the defenseless? How about that person at work who is really they're having a tough time in their life right now and they got this huge project and they, they need help and you know you have the skill to help them, but you, don't, you didn't help them because why should you help them and benefit them? Maybe you'll get the promotion and not them, so why should you even bother going and helping them because it's not going to help you? How about that, that new mom in your neighborhood? She just became a mom and she's looking for some friends, but man, that's too much emotional effort to put into someone like that. It would take too much trouble. You have enough friends, enough people to deal with. And so you kind of ignored her emotional needs there or even physical needs, you know, because, you know, moms, I mean, young moms. I I once had a a mom who um, had multiple young children in her life at that point. She came to me after a service and she said, I I need to I need to give you some constructive criticism. And I'm like, oh, here we go. What, you know, what are you going to constructive criticism? Thank you so much. I just got done preaching. I'm going to get some constructive criticism. All right. And she said, she said, you know, you're not preaching long enough. And I said, this woman has incredible wisdom. I would like to hear more. I said, no, I, this, this, everybody move. I have to hear what this woman has to say. This is important. And she said, you know, I, I just I just I come in and I'm just sitting down and relaxing for the first time in a week. And it's over. She said, Pastor, preach longer. Preach longer. And I, and I took that to heart. And I think to myself, you know, when I go over, when the service goes over, it's because I love you guys that much. I want you to relax. Now, I'm sure she was in the back actually closing her eyes and getting some sleep for the first time in a week with all those younger ones. But we need to be thinking about others. We need to be investing in others. We need to be, we need to think in our lives that God, what... I love you, and if I love you, how can I serve you by serving other people? You know, how often do we see opportunity and do nothing? 
Because the second part of that passage says to love your neighbor as yourself. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength, right? But then it also says something else. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. I mean, that, this is something, if that, when it says that, this is something we should all take a step back and go, okay, I really need to understand this. If all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments, if these are number, these are the two, tell us, Jesus, what are the most important? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. You know, as many of you guys know, we are, uh, we are, we're working um, in Nigeria to build an economic zone in Nigeria. And the vision behind that is that we would build this economic zone, that we would get entrepreneurs, invest in these entrepreneurs, they would start businesses, they then would hire people which would impact the lives of the people in that community. At the same time, they would give back a portion of, their, of what they, they receive from, from us helping them to go into ministry to help those who cannot help themselves. And, and actually, our goal would be to create such a dynamic uh, economic zone that it would cover the cost of the ministry that we have in Nigeria. That's the vision. And we're getting there. And so the last thing we talked about is pigs and chickens. I don't know if you've had you bought your pigs or chickens yet. but We need a few more. But we're getting, we're getting 100 pigs and we're getting 600 chickens. And so a couple weeks ago, we were uh, we had a worship service. Uh, on Sunday night, and after the worship service, we kind of impromptu went outside, stood in a giant circle, and we're praying together. After we were finished praying, a little boy, Jacob, comes up to me with a little a little envelope. And I, I thought, well, that's, that's cute. Well, I wonder what's in the envelope. And he hands it to me, and there's four crumpled dollars and some change. He looked like he went around just whatever he could find, it, and he put it all together, all that he had. He put it together in, in an envelope. And I, and I asked him, well, what, what's this for? And he's very young. And he said, for two chickens. I wanted to buy two chickens. I got to tell you, I, um, that when you, I love, I love being a pastor. At times like that, you really, really enjoy being a pastor. Here's someone that young, whether you're the oldest person or the youngest here today, God is calling us to love him with all of his heart and to love our neighbor as ourselves. And to have someone that young come and say, you know, realizing that if I can get a couple of chickens, maybe that would help someone. That's what God, that's how God wants us to think. We need, see, if we love God with all of our heart, then we're going to love others. We're going to invest in others. We're going to apply that truth. So my question is, again, are you applying that truth? Are you allowing God's truth to just go, you know, fill your mind or are you allowing it also to flood your heart? And not just on Sunday mornings, but all of your life, all of everything about you. You know, people are confused by Tim Tebow. I'm not confused by Tim Tebow at all. Because Tim Tebow understands this passage. People say, well, why don't he just play football? He should keep his faith to himself. Okay. Tim Tebow plays football, but he's a Christian first. So when he's playing football, he's a believer in Christ. He's a follower of Christ first. So football is just a part of what he as a believer, what he's doing right now. Now he's going to start playing baseball. Don't, don't underestimate the guy making the majors, okay? He'll most likely make it. But if he makes the major leagues, he's, going to, he's a believer first. He's a follower of Christ first, and he's playing baseball. When he's an announcer, Christ is in his life first. He's first and foremost a follower of Jesus Christ. And so that's a part of what he does as an announcer. Why? Because he loves God with all his heart and with all his soul, with all his mind, and with all his strength. He cannot separate out what he's doing from who he is. And I'm telling you, even believers don't really get that. So are you allowing your faith to affect 
every single area of your life. I love this quote by Martin Luther. He said this, the Christian shoemaker does not does his duty, not by putting little crosses on his shoes, but by making good shoes because God is interested in good craftsmanship. You want to glorify God with what you do in your life? Then you do it to the glory of God. When you go out on the field, you do it to the glory of God. When you go to work and make shoes, putting a little cross on the bottom of the heel of the shoe, if the shoe's a piece of junk, is not glorifying God. That's what Martin Luther is saying. You want to glorify God, make exceptional shoes like Jesus Christ. I'm sure when Jesus did something with his hands, it was done with, it was actually done perfectly, right? It would be perfect. You look at a table going, man, that's amazing. That that table's perfect. We need to do it all to the glory of God. Maturity in your faith is so much more than just taking things in intellectually, taking in information. It is a relentless pursuit for the glory of God, a relentless pursuit of God's heart. It is a continuous longing to become more like Jesus Christ. Every moment of your day, honestly, we should, every thought that we have as we go into situations, we should be thinking, thinking, how does this glorify God? How in my interaction with this customer, in my interaction with this person at school, in my interaction here, in my response to this, am I, am I becoming more like Jesus Christ? Am I glorifying God? Am, am I longing to, 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 to know the heart of God? That's what that passage is talking about. God calls us to, to use everything. Listen to me. He calls us to use everything at our disposal to further the kingdom of God. Everything at our disposal. He calls us to take risks as a church. He calls us to be innovative, to be creative, to think in our minds, giving God all of our minds. He, he calls us to think without limitations. Those aren't just words here at Grace Chapel. That is how we do ministry. That is how we try to function within the church. It's how how we live our lives. That's how we live our lives. And this morning, I want to introduce you to a few people, okay, who I'm going to call up. I want to introduce you to a couple of people, okay, about five total, who are actually doing what we are talking about here. Who are willing to step out in faith and use their, 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 their heart, their mind, their soul, their strength to glorify God in every area of their lives. That's what, that's what, that's what we're talking about here. That's the application. They're trying to glorify God by loving Him with all of their heart, soul, mind, and strength and loving their neighbor as themselves. And as they come up here, I want you guys to come up here. As they come up here, what I would like you to, what I want to do is just for a moment, I want to share the theology behind this. This is important. Because people come into church and go, why, why are we talking about this? Okay, so here's, here's kind of the theology behind all this. And also, there's an article that was just, uh, just come out in Outcomes Magazine. It's a leadership magazine that Chuck Prout and I, we wrote. And it's on the way out. I want you to get a copy of that article because it gives you a kind of a 30,000 foot view and understanding of, of what we're doing here at Grace Chapel when it comes to marketplace ministry. Okay, so Plato came up with a biblical... The, the, Plato came up with the worldview, okay, that things are either secular or they're sacred. 
Okay, so most of us live by that worldview, that things are sacred. I have a sacred job because I'm a pastor. And so I think about spiritual things and and beautiful things and things that have value. You, on the other hand, go to your secular jobs, and that's more fleshly and whatever. So that's secular. That is not a biblical worldview. In a biblical worldview, things are either sacred or they're sinful. How many of you get up in the morning and decide you're going to go to work and do something sinful? Raise your hand. Right, exactly. So if things aren't sinful, by definition, they're what? They're sacred. Say it again. If it's not sinful, it's right. So it's sacred. So when you get up in the morning and you say, I'm going to do all this to the glory of God, I'm going to go to Procter and Gamble. I'm going to do go to my job. I started. I'm going to that I'm an entrepreneur and I started this business. What you're doing is you're going to your sacred job because you're using your heart, soul, mind, strength to glorify God. Okay, a biblical worldview. Things are either sacred Okay, or they're sinful. If it's not sinful, then it's sacred. God created everything. Satan created absolutely nothing. Satan only corrupts what God created. It is a responsibility of the body of Christ to take back what belongs to God. So these people here who are going to share with you, okay, what they're going to share with you is sacred. What Jesus did before his three and a half year public ministry was sacred. It wasn't secular and it wasn't sinful. It's sacred. And that's exactly what they're doing. And if you think for one moment, if the, if the thought enters your mind when you're sitting here for one moment that we should not be talking about this in church, then I say, think again. Think again. Colossians 3.23 says this, whatever you do, listen to my words. This is the word of God. Whatever you do, is that leave any room, leave any room for something to sneak in? Whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord and not for human masters. So whatever you do, work at it. Whatever it is, work at it with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your mind and all of your strength. Okay, as working unto the Lord, as serving unto the Lord, not serving men or human masters. Okay, so I'm going to sit down and I want I want to kind of ask these guys a few questions and I want them to share with you because this is practical application. This is real life application to exactly what we're talking about. So you all have your mics. There's one. I think this one. I'll put it down here and we'll start down and kind of. All right. So I'll ask the question. Anyone can ask. You can pass it down if you want to. You don't have to ask the first. All right. So the first question is, tell us about these are all business street owners. <laughs> Smart pass on right away. Exactly. Exactly. Um, tell us. The first question is, tell us about your business street. I own CrossFit Superfly. CrossFit, by definition, is constantly varied, high intensity functional movement. Um, we use quantifiable, measurable workouts to improve and show you guys in a scientific method how we are improving your fitness. Awesome. My name is Adam Wyman. I own Elements Pro along with my wife, Rachel. Um, we are full-service full landscape business. Um, we started off about four years ago uh, doing design and construction. Uh, but a couple years ago, we uh, decided to expand and do the uh, lawn care and maintenance um, by means of Brian Pierce. He uh, Ended up donating his residential portion of his business to SSE as a business tree. Yep. So, and you came along and said this would be good for you. So, I took <laughs> that on. <laughs> I said, "Hey, it's great, but I don't know how to do any lawn care business." So, but I know someone who does, and <laughs> perfect. So, hey, go ahead. 
My name is Ashley Hurley. Um, I'm a co-owner of Trinity Salon and Spa. Um, we just hit over two years we've been open, which is great. Yep. Um, most importantly, our goal at Trinity Salon and Spa is to serve others using the gifts and talents that God gave us. Uh, secondly, is to provide exceptional service in a very positive environment. Typically, salons kind of have a bad stereotype of um, toxic and unhealthy, gossipy stuff, but mm-hmm. that's not what we're about. We're trying to change that. And lastly, and to enrich, enrich the lives of the people around us, whether it's the people that we serve with, the guests in our chair, or, of course, those through back-to-back ministry has definitely um, been on our hearts as well. Perfect. Perfect. My name is Yvonne Fernandez, and I am the founder of Array of Hope Counseling and Health Services. We offer counseling to individuals and families um, in regards to mental health, addictions, family counseling. We also have medical services. We have providers, physicians, nurse practitioners. We just acquired our psychiatrist, which I'm very excited about. It's unheard of, unheard of for a counseling center that's been in business for four months to acquire a psychiatrist. That's awesome. Yes, and I, I really wanted to share that with everyone. That's excellent. And this is Priscilla down here, which I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait to the end, the very end, to ask you a couple of questions, okay, to kind of close this off. So my next question, I have two que- I have kind of, you can combine them if you'd like. Um, how is your business tree impacting the community? And then how is your, how is your business tree impacting the world? So anyone can start. Some of the things that you do, you know, to impact, go ahead. Uh, I guess one of the things that we do to help impact the community, actually, recently, Lori Krause, who also attends church here, she's sitting right there. She's part of the Golden Girls crowd. I know she probably appreciates me. She's sitting with Terry, the other Golden Girl. People love getting um, pointed out in church, too, I know. you know. I just want to let you know that. I'm, I'm sitting pointing at them, and, and I can... Are you blushing? Okay. So um, she actually brought me a student from uh, Mason Middle School. His name is Luis, and I'm going to be mentoring him. Um, this year, he came to me um, pretty shy, pretty awkward, uncoordinated, um, and with a little bit of a temper. And uh, now I, I can't speak necessarily to it for his temper outside of the gym, but he's extremely polite kid. He's a lot more coordinated. He's lifting surprisingly more weight than I expected him to. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so on a local level. That's one of the things that I'd like to to focus on is I love kids. I have a passion for kids and um, just to to reach them, um, you know, in their everyday life. Globally, I kind of combine the two as far as how are you affecting, you know, the community and in the world. Yeah, because I don't ever believe that you can only touch one life. I always believe that if you touch that one life, you touch generations of lives. Absolutely. So I think that not just for Luis, you know, um, if I can inspire one kid to to um, believe that because, you know, he might not be excelling in one area of his life, that he can excel in another. And, and if I can teach people to, to keep moving forward in their time where they don't feel like they can move forward, mm-hmm. then I feel like then that life will then be able to affect other people's lives. So yep. from, a, from a global standpoint, I guess that's 
one of my goals is just to affect somebody. And your your heart too. You were in Monterey in 1997. Yeah, That's dating um, both of us. But um, and you have a heart to maybe plant a CrossFit in Monterey, right? Yeah. So one of the things that I've working on and, and I'd like to do is go to Monterey and um, help one of the orphans who have aged out of um, the HOPE mm-hmm. program to come train with me for a little while and then eventually start their CrossFit gym down in Monterey. And the whole idea and the process behind that is is for the younger generation, not just to change that kid's life and to change his mindset, right. but for the younger generation who don't have families, who don't have parents, to come alongside and look at that kid and be like, hey, he doesn't have a mom, he doesn't have a dad, but look what he did with his life. You right. know, like If he can do that, then why can't I do something with my life? And so it just kind of inspires those kids to realize that, hey, like this isn't it. This isn't the end-all, be-all. This isn't – I don't have to be in this situation. I can do something else. Right. Awesome. Go ahead. Any, anybody else? Go ahead. Yeah. Go. <laughs> One way that I think um, myself as a stylist and the girls that I work with have a super unique opportunity to not only build relationships with people over multiple years, but they sit in our chair and <laughs> – we have to talk to them, and they talk to us. More importantly, they can talk to us, and we can minister to them without being overwhelming. But mm-hmm. there's, I don't know, it's a really cool cool opportunity also because it's not just women we're talking to. It's men, children, and we get to see those children grow. Lastly, um, one way we affect the community, um, I think a lot of the salon is making yourself feel better when you leave, and it's a lot of surface level sometimes, but... What I strive to do for people in my chair is for them to leave feeling better on the inside as well, Hmm. feeling like they had a positive experience and that, hey, I'm going to come back here because I felt good when I went there and not drained with negativity or just heavy with all of that. So. And you guys cut um, you you cut hair in the past to help with the high schoolers to go to Monterey, right? Just any kind of opportunity where we can. it's, It's a really great job to be able to. Like cutathons are awesome to be able to raise money like that where it's needed, and that's where globally I kind of agree with Brian. It's one person at a time, because I think when you say change the world, it sounds really, really Amen. scary and yep. overwhelming. But if you can change one person at a time, or at least like help them in some way, then eventually that's gonna that's gonna show. And especially Perfect. through back-to-back ministries, we'd love to sponsor multiple children, and eventually all of us, the salon, be able to support the girls going. Fabulous. That's awesome. Anyway. Yeah, for us, um, you know, it's our employees and clients. Um, you know, our, our clients, you know, we can go out and say, you know, what our goals are as a business and how we're going to support uh, what we do as a business tree. Um, but our, our employees, too, you know, they, they come in and they're, you know, just some guys that are trying to find their way in life. And, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm just there to try to help encourage them and, and help them succeed what they do, um, just to be a, a, Excellent. Hand, a hand to them. So. Yeah, because the employees, I mean, that's, that's in such your congregation, if you will. I mean, right. the people that you, right. so you feel like you can be able to minister to them. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. And, um, you know, also, also uh, community-wise, you know, we, we have a presence at uh, Crone Conservatory yep. uh, with all the work that we've done over there with the aquaponics and then as well as the zoo. Um, yeah. So we have yeah. a pretty, pretty good outreach there. Um, yeah. Adam uh, was involved in building the aquaponics system for Crone Conservatory. And if you go to the Cincinnati Zoo, 
it was uh, Adam through SSE that built the aquaponic system for that new restaurant they have. Not new anymore. It's a couple years old. But the aquaponic system they have, we built. Yeah. And, and it, it's, pretty... it's the greenest restaurant in America. Yeah. And, and we, we have our, the signs up on how it was built and our logos and stuff. So. Yep. So, yeah, that's impacting the community as well. Yeah. yeah. Yvonne? I can go on and on and on, but I'm not. <laughs> what I wanted to say was um, that we do have two satellite um, uh, offices, one in Middletown that we're opening up and one in Amelia. And we want to grow and get out into the community and help individuals that are suffering from addictions, mental illness, um, family um, family issues, and that um, I want to really remove the stigma of mental illness and addictions mm-hmm. and individuals that are um, that have family issues. I just I want to remove it. I want um, the counselors that I work with are wonderful. The um, medical people that I work with, providers are awesome. And we all have a common goal, and we love with what, what we're doing. That's awesome. So, Priscilla, I'd like you to tell us two things. Number one, tell us about your background, sure. and then tell us what you're doing now. How are you using what God has taught you in, in your background to impact the lives of people now? Sure. Um, as he stated, my name is Priscilla Bonwell, and for 30-plus years, I worked in finance and credit and banking in operations, management, human resources, uh, performance development, yada. It went on and on and on. <laughs> At the end of what I perceived to be that career, um, I was very prayerful about what I wanted to do next. Um, I wanted to be able to take those talents and skills that I had learned in that 30-plus years and apply it in God's kingdom. So I had a wonderful meeting with uh, Pastor Jeff and with Pete West, and from there I was able to now become a mentor and coach to the entrepreneurs for self-sustaining enterprises. Now, that sounds very formal, but actually what these individuals are, they're marketplace ministers. And what my role is is to minister to the ministers. And it's not just about what they do from their business, how do I create a business plan, a project plan. They have lives, everyday lives, and it's impacted in triplicate by them being self-employed. Um, unlike the certainty of working for someone, they're working for themselves, and it's a day-in and day-out struggle. So what I find is that they are blessings to those that are out in the market, and I have an opportunity to be blessed by blessing them. That's awesome. That's great. And so as we close out here, here's what I, my challenge to all of us, okay, that, that we honestly need to be asking ourselves, how How do I stretch my faith beyond Sunday morning? How do I live out my faith beyond Sunday morning? How do I use my time, my talents, my treasures? How do I use those things in order to further the kingdom of God? And I really want you to think without limitations. I want you to think without limitations. I want you to to grasp that passage where God says, I can do immeasurably more than all you can ever ask or imagine. Now, I know what we do at Grace Chapel is unorthodox. But we serve an unorthodox God. Show me a story in the Bible that's not unorthodox, right? 
God is God is a warrior. He's an unorthodox warrior and he calls us to be the same. So I want us, I want all of us to be thinking outside of the box. I want us to I want us to think without limitations and how we can use the minds that God has given us, the hearts that God has given us, heart, soul, mind, strength. How can we use those things to bring glory to God, not just on Sunday mornings, but seven days a week, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year? Because that's, that, that's what this passage in Matthew is talking about. Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. God, thank you for this great time that we can spend together. Thank you for the opportunity to give us to, to worship you. Not just on Sunday mornings, but every day of our lives. I pray, dear God, that we would leave here encouraged and inspired by what we've heard from these five folks. The heart that they have to serve you and to invest in the lives of other people. Lord, that is your call on all of our lives. We pray that we would leave here different people than when we came in. Give us a clear vision. Give us a dream and allow us to fulfill that dream in whatever you called us to do. In Jesus name. Amen. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. And I'll see you at uh, 1245 and 501. Have some pizza.